0: I'm going to ask you to turn to two places, uh, Deuteronomy 17, if you would, and then our text, 2 Samuel uh, 8. So let's uh, stand in honor of God's Word here this evening. Deuteronomy 17, <clears throat> in fact, even while you're finding your place, I'm going I'm to refer to another verse uh, in Deuteronomy. You don't have to turn there, I, I will, but in Deuteronomy 1, there's a verse or two that... That I'd like to grab hold of here tonight. When a nation needs revival, that's our series in Second Samuel. So it's been, uh, let's see, <clears throat> November, I think. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I don't think we preached on it in December at all. So um, it's been a good, good bit before we've been there. Since we've been there, rather. So Deuteronomy 17, if you'll find your place there, 2 Samuel 8. Uh, we'll look at those here in just a moment. But in Deuteronomy 1, it talks about the type of leaders that God wants the nation to have. And it'd be those that would not have respect to persons, that would hear the small as well as the great. Men that wouldn't be a, um, afraid of men's faces, but that would fear the Lord uh, and to do what's right for judgment is the Lord's. And so he talks about that justice and judgment and, and um, honoring God and fearing God and those type of things, okay? So Deuteronomy 17, if you're there. Deuteronomy 17, verse 14, when thou art come into the land, God says, which the Lord thy God giveth thee and shalt possess it and shalt dwell therein and shalt say, I will set a king over me like as all the, all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him over, set, set, him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. Everybody see that? So God wasn't against them having a king. They just needed to have the right king. Well, they wanted a king so they could be like all the other nations, um, but they didn't want God's will, and so God gave them Saul. So we saw, we saw that in 1 Samuel. Now here's the type of king that God would choose. In verse 15, one from among thy brethren shalt thou thou shalt set king over thee. Verse 15, thou shalt, that thou mayest, thou mayest not set a strange over thee, which is not thy brother. Verse 16, notice this please. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to run to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself. Now, how many of you say, I think the kings of Israel needed to listen to that one a little bit more? They skipped that verse, right, and cost them dearly. That his heart turned not away, it says in verse 17, neither shall he multiply to himself silver and gold. Everybody see that? In black and white in your Bible? Don't multiply horses. Don't multiply wives. Don't multiply silver and gold. Basically, this, your king, don't get on a power trip. Right? Because a power trip is a short trip, it ends prematurely. So, that was some of the instructions. So, now verse 18 and following basically says that the king is supposed to hand write this out, a copy for himself, and that would help it go deep in his heart. Book of Deuteronomy and the law. All right, now let's go to our text, 2 Samuel 8. I want you to see this. So God gave some very clear instructions. Don't multiply horses, don't multiply wives, don't multiply silver and gold unto yourself. Okay. And by that, God was assuring, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you, okay? All right, chapter eight. And after this, it says, and after this, it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methagammon, Gamma rather, out of the hand of the Philistines. And he smote Moab, verse two. I'm not gonna read all these verses here for the sake of time, but you can see there he smote the Philistines, verse one, he smote Moab. To the east, so that'd be to the west, to the east. David smote, uh, verse 3 now, I'm sorry, verse number 3. And David smote also um, had uh, Hadad-Ezer, there it is, Hadad-Ezer, he smote him, um, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his border at the river Euphrates, to the north, the northeast. All right, so we got the west, we got the east, we got the north. Uh, verse number four David took him a thousand chariots, 700 horsemen, 20,000 footmen, and David hawked all their chariot horses. He cut their hamstring, except for a hundred of them, so they wouldn't be used. All right, good or bad? That's good. Bad for the horses. Okay. All right, but David is practicing what Deuteronomy 17 said. And when the Syrians, verse five of Damascus, came to succor Hadad Ezer, king of Zobah, uh, David slew the Syrians, two and 20,000 men. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus that'd be to the north there. And the Syrians became servants to David and brought gifts. Notice this very, very important phrase. And the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went Preserved him, protected him, delivered him, saved him, helped him, whithersoever he went. That's a summary statement that will be repeated here shortly. Everybody still following along right now? Verse 7 And David took shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadad Ezer and brought them to Jerusalem and from Beta and from. Uh, Rothai cities of Hadad Ezer, King David took exceeding much brass. So we've got gold, we've got brass. But I want you to see what he does. When Toai, verse uh, 9, uh, Toai, there's your baby name, right? <laughs> Maybe not, okay. So when Toai, king of Hamath, heard that David had smitten all the hosts, well, he sent He sent, um, it says in the latter part of verse 10, vessels of silver, vessels of gold, and vessels of brass, trying to get on David's good side. But I want you to notice verse number 11. Look what David did. It says, which also King David did dedicate unto the Lord. Do you see it? It's very important. He dedicated it to the Lord with the silver and the gold that he had dedicated of all nations he subdued, of Syria, of Moab, of the children of Ammon, of the Philistines, of Amalek, Amalek, the Amalekites, he defeated them. And, uh, and then Hadad Ezer is mentioned again, and David got a name when he returned from smiting of the Syrians in the Valley of Salt, being 18,000 men. And he put garrisons in Edom. So now we're in the south. So we went from the west to the east, to the north, to the south. Come on now. That's a lot of victories. That's a lot of wins. (laughs) Okay. Notice verse 14, the latter part of it. And the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. Second time it says it. And David reigned over all Israel. David executed judgment and justice. There it is. You see that? Justice. I'm sorry. Judgment and justice. He did what was right for the people. Justice. Sorry. Judgment and justice. I'll get it right in a minute. Judgment and justice unto all his people. And then the last part of the chapter just list all the leaders. And for the sake of time, I'll just mention the names. Joab, the general, uh, Jehoshaphat, the recorder, Zadok and Ahimelech, um, the priest, Sariah, the scribe, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, over the uh, Kirithites and Pelathites, which would have been like David's personal bodyguard. Good stuff going on. You're, you're kind of waiting for the bad. There's not. There's not. It's all good. Victory after victory after victory after victory. Hey, we got to soak that in while we can. Chapter 11's coming. But until then, we can enjoy some victory that David had in his life and say, you wonder why. Uh, You know, while we were singing a moment ago, uh, we were singing the song, uh, Dwelling in Beulah Land. I I think maybe we just kind of sing that mindlessly, not even thinking about what we're singing. We're singing about the victorious Christian life, victorious Christian life. And God wants you to live one. He does. And there's a way, and we're going to look at it here. So tonight the message is the preservation of the Lord's servant. It said twice that the Lord preserved him. So let's talk about the the preservation of those who serve, the preservation of the Lord's servant. We're on the winning side. Let's stay on the winning side. Amen. Amen. All right, may God bless the reading of his word. I hope you'll follow along here with me, so you do some work in the text and, and uh, notice something I think very, very important. OK, when a team has a winning record, it catches the attention of fans and critics alike. In fact, a lot of the teams that people don't like if you can allow for just a little bit of sports and sports illustration here uh, teams that people don't like are winning teams. Oftentimes, that's what it is. I don't like them. Why don't you like them? Well, they win all the time. They won today. Somebody might say. Anyways. Thunder's having a winning season. Man, that's exciting. I don't want to jinx them. I don't blame them for doing that. But anyways, great record. Tied for first in the West uh, with the Timberwolves. 32. I wrote this last night. It was 32 and 13. Now it's 32 and 14 because we lost to the Detroit Pistons, who have a record of 6 and 40 now. we helped them gain one more. <laughs> Anyways, quite an exciting time. You know, in terms if you're a Thunder fan and man, it's that's exciting but you know, the top teams in sports history, and I, I'm opening a can of sports worms here in the sense of people will say, you didn't name my team. Well, sorry, but anyways, here's a short list. of so 95-96 Chicago Bulls, 72 wins, 10 losses, and won the finals. But that record was topped by the Golden State Warriors. 73 wins and 9 losses, but they did not win the finals that year. Anyways, okay. But think about it, 73-9, and nine, that. Is a lot of wins. 73 and 9. The New York Yankees. Either love them or hate them, right? There's no middle ground right there. 1949, 1953, those teams in that area. The only team in baseball history win five straight World Series titles. That's incredible. The Montreal Canadiens, I think that's hockey. If if I've got my facts straight here, the only team in hockey history to win five straight Stanley Cups. It's got to be incredible. Boston Celtics, 1956-1969, won an unparalleled 11 out of 13 title seasons. Uh, 11 titles in 13 seasons, I'm sorry, I'll say that right. Including eight in a row. Dominating. (laughs) Dominating. Bostonian over here. Dominating. The Pittsburgh Steelers of the 1970s and 80s, I mean, man, what a ferocious team, you know, winning all those su- uh, Super Bowls, uh, an unrivaled four Super Bowls in six seasons. The Patriots, the 49ers, and, and I'll stop. <laughs> but here's what happens. We see all those, those winning teams, and, and you're, you're, you're analyzing, you're thinking. If you're into sports, you say, well what's what's causing them to win? Why why do they have season after season after season? You say they cheat, they cheat, they cheat, maybe. <laughs> Obviously there's talent, but but there's also a lot of hard work and there's a lot of just sticking to the fundamentals. Let's see. Well he, what we're reading about here in 2 Samuel chapter number 8, as I hope that you caught on to it is victory after victory after victory after victory after victory that David, under God's blessings, won. And by the way, prior to that, I mean, the fact that all Israel was now under his leadership and in addition to that, that, that he took on the Jebusites and took Jerusalem, man, that's huge. And that after one failed attempt, they got the Ark into Jerusalem successfully, I mean, this was this is major stuff, and and then that they that they put a whooping on the Philistines. Yeah. Now, put a whooping's not on in the text, but that's the idea yeah. that they were victorious against their arch rivals, the the Philistines, that had caused them so much trouble. Okay. So they're victorious. We have to ask, why? Why are they victorious? And we'll review a little bit of this as we, as we get into it. But, I mean, they had victory in the West and victory in the East and victory in the North and victory in the South. And, and it's like they were just rolling. Why? Well, God wants us as Christians to have winning records. God, by that I mean this. God wants wants us as individual believers to be victorious believers, to live a victorious Christian life, not a defeated Christian life. And, and I'm looking at it, Christians who, by the grace of God, are, thanks be to the living God that you're living a victorious Christian life, a perfect Christian life? No, there's not a perfect Christian life among us. I get that, but, but thank God for the victories. In fact, some of this message tonight would be angled this way, There's victories and and things that are being won. And so keep that going and here's how. But it could be somebody here is is, uh, defeated in your Christian life and God doesn't want you to stay there. And how do you get to a place of victory? Because, hey, by the way, by the way, the same man that we're reading about here that had all those victories also had some very low points. David did remember that as he's down in Gath and he's scratching on the walls like a wild man and foaming at the mouth just to save his hide. And other times that uh, David was out of God's will, and there's going to be unfortunately other times. But right here, he's got it right. He's got it right. And uh, in God's blessings, I think it's easy to see. Would you agree, church tonight, that God's blessings are very evidently upon this man named David and the nation of Israel? It's very evident. The, in terms of the, the revenue, the gold, the silver, the victories that were won. I mean, it's evident that there are blessings that are just uh, mounting up here. Well, I believe God's blessings has been upon our church family. I thank God for that. I, I could go through and enumerate some things and, and, and certainly we'd have to say praise and thanksgiving be to God for those things. So how do we stay in a place? How do we stay in a place that God can bless? Because I've heard Brother Sam say it before, and I I keep this in mind. We can't make this stuff happen, but we can sure mess it up. You know, to see the bus ministry growing, to see children's ministries growing, to see the youth group growing, to to see college ministry growing, to, to see adult ministries growing, to see people being saved nearly every week. Hey! Hey, have you stopped and rejoiced in that in a little while? And and to have the the blessings of offerings there and to be able to send out missionaries and to start churches and to to see these things. Hey, these are very exciting days that I don't want to see end. And we can't make this happen. We sure can mess it up. And so I, I want to take good heed to what's going on here and pray that God might use this to see, okay, how is the victorious Christian life lived and maintained. And so following God's promise to build the house, remember that the last time that we were in Second Samuel, uh, David said, you know, I really, I want to build a house for God. And, and God said to David, David, you're not going to build a house for me, but I'm going to build a house for you. And it wasn't a physical house, but it was a dynasty. It was a, a lineage of kings that would come his way. And, and God says, I, I hear and see your desire, David, and that's, that's fine, but I'm, I'm going to do something for you. You're not going to do something for me. And so last time we were together, we were um, considering this title, Stand in awe of God, sit down if you have to. Because sometimes it's so good, you just have to sit down and take in all of God's blessings. And that's what we were looking at. And so here's King David. and, And now in the larger picture of what's going on here is the fact that God is fulfilling his promise to the nation of Israel. Okay, notice verse number one, it says, after this, it came to pass. After this, so there's a historical context to this. After this, it came to pass. God had promised uh, that he would give Israel the land. Well, what does that look like? Well, according to Genesis 15:18, if you wanna jot these verses down, look at it a little bit later. Genesis 15, 18, God said, the same day, God, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying "Unto the, thy seed will I, have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Okay. Yeah. Looking at it that way. Okay. From the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates far to the northeast. God says, that's going to be your land. Okay, some other verses that, that are there in Exodus 23. God said, I've set the bounds from the Red Sea unto the Sea of the Philistines, from the desert unto the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. And, and God is bringing judgment upon them. By the way, it is not genocide. It is God's judgment upon an erring people who he gave a big space to repent. And the cup of God's wrath was not yet full, he said to Abram back in Genesis chapter 15, but evidently they would not repent and so God would bring judgment upon them. Okay, So that's some of the background there. I'm just talking about the land and the area. Uh, he said in Deuteronomy 11, Every place whereon the soles of thy foot, thy, your foot shall tread, shall be yours. From the wilderness unto Lebanon to the north, from the river, uh, the river Euphrates, even unto the sea shall be your coast. Joshua chapter 1. And verse number four, from the wilderness of this and this Lebanon into the great river, the river Euphrates, far to the north and to the east, uh, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, that'd be the Mediterranean Sea, toward the going down of the sun, that shall be your coast. Hey, I want to tell you something tonight. That land right there that he's describing from the land of Egypt all the way up to the Euphrates and from the river Jordan to the sea. From the river to the sea is not Palestinian land. It is Israeli land, according to what God said. Now, we're hearing a lot about from the river to the sea, but and, and we're hearing that, hearing that in a Palestinian context. And God loves the Arab people and wants to see them saved. But his plan, dear friend, has always been that this would be the land of the people of Abraham through Isaac. It would be the land of the Jews. Well, that won't fly on CNN, but it's in the KJV. Amen. It's just right here. And so what, what David is doing, I've, I've got to try to labor and get in, into this here that what David is doing is he's looking at what God has said and he's applying it. That's the formula. Look to see what God has said and apply it into your life. This is really not that difficult, is it? To, to figure out, okay, what has God said about this area of life? You, you see what God has said, and then you apply it. And listen to this, when you apply what his word says, it has an impact, not just on your life, but on the lives that are to come after you, see. Because David would would do these great exploits and apply this to his life, but it would not only impact his life, but it would impact the life of Solomon. And from Solomon, the life of Rehoboam. And from Rehoboam, all the other kings of Judah and of Israel. Hey, I'm telling you, David is applying what God said and it had a great impact, not just on his life, but on our lives as well. So what, what did he do? Well, by the way, King Saul did not apply God's word and lost territory, lost land. Am I stretching it to say that when you don't apply God's word, you're losing ground? Is that right? Uh, Is everybody listening to this? I mean, you're not taking your Sunday afternoon nap late, are you? Because when you don't apply God's word, you lose ground. But this is really simple, but I think we need to be reminded of it. When you, listen, young people, when you apply God's word, you gain ground. When you don't apply God's word, you lose ground. It's really that simple. Listen, parents, as we see what God says about being a parent and we apply it, we gain ground. When we don't do what it says, we lose ground. In a marriage, if you see what God says and you apply it, then you gain ground. When you don't apply it, you lose ground. I mean, really, this is really quite that simple. When you see what God has said about finances and you tithe and you give and you and you do what God says and you work a job and you work hard and then you put yourself in a place that God can bless, then when you apply God's word, you gain ground. When you don't apply God's word, you lose ground. Wow, this is really simple. I like it. I like simple. (laughs) Peace and safety was enjoyed by Solomon and those that came behind him because a man named David applied God's word. Hey, can I say to you tonight, dear friend, that your home, your friends, your friendships, your your family will, will either enjoy peace or unrest depending on what you do? Now, hey, I, I'm thankful that God can intervene in a life like we were privileged to hear this past, hear this past week at Heartland uh, Chapel from Brother Michael Scott, who's a member up at Bible Baptist Stillwater, a black gentleman that, that was living. He grew up in anger and rage and, and even, even killed a man. But God saved him and changed his life, and now he's got a whole brand new future. God can do that. And I thank God for the way that God does that. But I also thank God for the Joe and Denise Deckers of this world, that, that, that's my in-laws. And I, I thank God for what that set in motion as they have a good and godly marriage and they have good and godly children that are not perfect. I didn't mean to pause. Right there. But they're applying these things. Listen, hang on just a minute. Let me me just get right here and and apply this before we move on. If you see a family and you see a victorious Christian life and you see a victorious Christian couple, a victorious Christian uh, life in front of you, then don't say, well, that's good for them. No, follow that pattern in your life. See what they're doing and follow that example. Look and see that they've got a happy marriage. What do you want? Well, I want a happy marriage, but I don't want to do what they're doing. Well, what are they doing? Well, they're saying in church and they're saying in the word and they're doing what God said. Yeah, but I I don't want to do all that, but I still want a happy marriage. You can't have both. Nope, nope, nope. You're about to lose ground. But if you'll say, you know, I see this couple and I see that couple and I I see them enjoying life and you say, you know what, by the grace of God, I want that kind of a pure marriage. I want that kind of a godly marriage. I want that kind of a faithful marriage. Then you gotta do what pure, faithful, godly people do. You can't make your own plan up right here, see? Not at all. David is following God's will. David is following God's plan and God is greatly blessing him. And so if you have a godly heritage, build on it. Build on it. Don't reject it. Don't reject it. Build on that godly heritage. The Philistines to the west. Moab to the east. The king of Moab hired Balaam to curse Israel. And every time he tried to curse them, he blessed them. But the Moabitish women enticed the Israelite men and brought God's judgment upon them. And God is now judging even Moab for such actions. And then Hadad Ezer, Hadad Ezer up to the north uh, amongst the Syrian peoples and, and to the north and to the east, northeast. And, and this was a big deal because, uh, I mean, he had great victory there. And then even when the Syrians from Damascus tried to jump in on it, they lost 22,000 men. And then this first summary statement is made here as it says that the Lord blessed David. He preserved David rather. He, the word literally is the word from which we get Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. So the idea here is the Lord saved David everywhere he went. The Lord preserved David. The Lord um, rescued David everywhere he went. You know, you know what that's saying? David would be nothing without him. Can I say to Southwest Baptist Church tonight, we'd be nothing without him. I say to you tonight, you'd be nothing without him. You'd be nothing without him. I'd be nothing without him. None of us would. We'd be lost and undone, and yet he intervened in our life, and and God can bless you and use you in a great way as long as you're walking in his word. The Lord preserved David everywhere he went. It implies that he would not have had these blessings had, had God not given them to him. But listen, here's the point. Listen, listen, very, very carefully right here. He stayed in a place that God could bless. He stayed in a place that God could bless. And God blessed. And God blessed. And God blessed. You know what David did? Here's what he did. He gave God thanks and kept doing what was right. God gave him more victory. He gave God thanks and he kept doing what was right. No, hang on. My time's not up yet. Here it is. He did what was right and he gave God thanks and God blessed him more. And he gave God thanks and he did what was right and God blessed him more. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel where it's a name it, claim it, do, what you do what's best for you and get more. No, 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 no. That's not David. I, I, that's not David. David. David, in fact, let's look on at the text. He set up all these garrisons and he took all these vessels of silver and of gold and the and the shields of gold. And in fact, when you total up all that David had accumulated and the amount of weight of gold and of silver and of brass, I mean to tell you, dear friend, it is an incredible amount of money and of weight and all those precious metals. But I want you to look again at verse number 11 which also David did dedicate to God. He did not take it and amass it unto himself. He said, God gave us this victory. I want to give God the glory. I want this to be used in God's service. Hey, if you got a talent tonight, you didn't get it on your own, God gave it to you. If you got victory tonight, you, got, you didn't get that on your own, God gave it to you. If you got a successful business, that's not because of you. That's in spite of you. God gave it to you. Give God thanks. Hey, listen, whatever God has given you, then you need to give it right back to Him. Because otherwise, if you get focused on serving yourself, God could take that away. I said, God could take it away. And here's what David did. He applied what God said. God said, don't multiply horses to yourself. And so instead of taking those thousand chariot horses, he cut, their, he cut either their, uh, their, their, their Achilles or their hamstring. He hawked the horses so they couldn't be useful anymore. In other words, he was obeying what God said and God blessed him more. And God blessed him more. Some people would say, you're crazy. Why are you hawking horses? Why don't you just use those and think about what else God could do through that? No. Listen, he knew what the word said. And he applied the word. And he trusted God even though it didn't make human sense. He applied the word and God gave him more victory and more victory. And when he got all that gold, he, now I, I believe maybe David even had, you know, access to the scriptures or the priests were saying, now David, you know, the scripture says in Deuteronomy 17 that you're not supposed to amass this unto yourself, but you're supposed to give it unto God, get dedicated to God. And that's what he did. And I'm submitting to you tonight a very simple principle that God blessed David and gave him a victorious Christian life because David figured out what God said, did what he said. When God gave the victory, David gave him the glory and he went right back to doing what God said and God just kept pouring it on. And just kept pouring it on and pouring it on. And he even made up for some failed ground that Saul had. I wonder who will have to make up failed ground in your life. I'd much rather it be said of me that by the grace of God, he did or she did what, what God wanted them to do and we're the beneficiaries thereof. it. He upheld, it says, the standard of righteousness, uh, that, that emphasis there that it had. Uh, and, and it also indicates that he had victory down in Edom and of the, among the Amalekites and, and all those to the, to the south and to the east, even there around the Dead Sea. That'd be where Edom is. And, and, and again, it says in verse number 14, in case you missed it in verse number 6, that the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. And he set up leaders that that would help lead the people. And and he himself, it says, that he uh, practiced judgment and justice unto all the people. He treated people right. And God just kept blessing. Here's why. He made the focus of his life serving the Lord, not serving himself. He made the focus of his life serving the Lord, not serving himself. You say, man, I've never heard of Hadad either. I wasn't exactly sure where some of these places were. That's not what I'm really preaching to you tonight about. young people, I'm, I'm preaching to you about this right here. Listen, right now in your life, you need to get in this word and figure out what God says about being a young person and apply it to your life and God will bless you and he'll use you. And then you give God the glory and then you get back in the word, figure out what else God said about being a young person right there and let God bless and use you. College age students, same thing right here. Just get in the word and figure out what kind of relationship you ought to have and say, that's the kind of relationship I'm going to have. And we're not going to touch each other while we're not married. Even though we want to? You got that desire and you want to? Well, that's a right want to. God, that's, a, that's understandable. But, but you got to stay in the word and see what God says about it. And I'm going to do it God's way. And I'm going to let God bless. And then I'm going to give God glory. And then I'm going to keep doing what God says once I'm married. Okay, so now we're doing the young Marys right here. Hey, how about this for flow of thought? Just, just the young Marys that are here. You just got married and you got a, a young family. You know what you need to do? Get in the Word and see what the Word says about treating the wife and treating the husband and, and how to respect each other and love each other and be. Kind to each other and thoughtful to each other and and encouraging to each other getting the word and see And if we'll apply what God has said He'll bless you with a good marriage and, and a godly marriage and a godly home and then you can go and keep doing that Amen. And then get in the word if you're an older person and you get in the word we'll see how do old people act yes. According to God's word Amen. And I want to be one of kind of those old people and, and do what God says about an older person. And, and then God blesses you and you give God glory and you get back in the Word, and just keep doing what God says. And you'll see God do great victory. I'm just simply saying that David said, I know that God says don't multiply horses. I'm not going to do that. And the kingdom kept having victory. And he said, I know that God said don't multiply gold to myself to make myself a filthy rich king. And so I'm going to give this to God. And God kept giving him more and kept giving him more and kept giving him more. And he kept having victory until... He multiplied wives to himself. And here he was already blessed by God, but he saw Bathsheba and said, I want her. And the kingdom began to go down. You know, the same principle works in the early church as the church was on a roll. Can we say that? I mean, to tell you, friend, they had that, that meeting in the prayer room, the, the upper room as they're, get, they're praying about the leadership and praying about the gospel and, and God's, I mean, giving them victory and they stand boldly on the day of Pentecost and, and God gives them, I mean, to tell you, a fantastic service and 3,000 souls are saved and baptized I bet they didn't have the heater ready for that one. <laughs> 3,000 souls baptized and then later 5,000 saved. And I mean, they're, just, they're growing, they're blowing and going and seeing people saved and, and they're giving, they're selling even their houses to help take care of one another. I mean to tell you friends, things were going great until chapter five when Ananias and Sapphira got materialistic yeah. and they dropped dead. Well, thank God that the church rolled on. But that's in there and recorded and preserved for us so that we take heed, lest we who are enjoying God's blessings upon our church family would somehow contribute to the death rate there of of like an Ananias and Sapphira killing the thing. Hey, listen, you better make sure that what you're doing is God's will. Does that make sense? Well, if this principle works in a nation and in a church, then it also, also works in a life. That I'm going to make my focus, the Lord, because I'll tell you what will happen. If you make your focus your money or you make your focus your career, then you're really losing ground. You're not gaining any ground. And it may look like you're gaining ground for a little bit, but ultimately if you're leaving God out of your plans, then you are not gaining ground. You are losing ground. But it's amazing to me that those that lose their lives, save it. And those that, hold on and save it, lose it. One wiser than us taught us that. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when He's teaching us, get in the Word and see what God says and do that. And then when He blesses, just keep giving Him glory. And then just keep going right back to doing what He wants you to do. You know what crossed my mind as I was thinking about this and thinking about our church in particular? Come this July, by God's good grace, we'll be debt free. That's that's the incredible blessings of God upon our church family. But you know what we ought not do? We ought not get in the place where we think, "Ah, now, now we've arrived. Now, (laughs) now, now, now we're rolling. Mm, We better take heed. We better just keep doing what brought us here. We better just stay in this book. We better just keep preaching the word. We better just keep focus on soul winning and teaching and running buses and bringing in kids and bringing in adults and seeing soul saved right here and discipling people and giving to world missions and trying to be a blessing and a help. We better just keep doing this, dear friend. I'm telling you, because if we don't, God will move his blessing somewhere else. God delivers from an Acts 5 situation. God delivers from an... Second Samuel 11 situation where immorality comes into the midst and ruins things. Oh, listen, friend, we can't make this happen, but we sure can mess it up. A series of wins turned into a series of losses because he got focused on himself rather than on God. Reckon we ought to take heed to that? I believe so. You know, seeing God bless and have, and, and success, it, it ought to make us a little bit um, nervous. Is coming to my mind, but that may not be exactly the right word. Cautious. Okay, let me use a biblical word: circumspect, careful, so that we keep our focus on the Lord. And not get focused on ourselves, because we need we need to see continued victory, not for ourselves, but for the Lord. Did you get the message tonight? I'll be honest with you. When I came to, literally, I did this. I looked at chapter eight, and I saw all those names and places, and I thought, hmm, chapter nine. Mephibosheth who wouldn't want to preach on Mephibosheth sure but then I dug in I thought oh my soul look at all those victories how'd they get that the Lord preserved him everywhere he went because he preserves those that serve and he just kept victorious why he just kept giving to God I thought Lord we can't skip chapter 8 it's so important let's stand together here tonight If you're experiencing a a victorious Christian life, certainly an application of this would be, God, I want to thank you. And I just want to stay in the word. Don't get to the place where you think I I can coast now. No place for coasting. Finish strong. Maybe you're at a place where you're not living a victorious Christian life. Either It could be that you're not saved. We just read as a family in 2 Peter 1. Beside all this, give diligence to add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, and all those things. Because he said, If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you neither shall be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But if any man lack these things, he's blind and can't see afar off and have forgotten that he was purged. So maybe you're at a place where your Christian life is not abounding. And, and Peter said it this way make your calling and election sure. In other words, he's saying, Make sure you're saved. Because if you're not growing spiritually, something's wrong. Either you're not saved or you're carnal. And you need to get right with God. And and in fact, Peter said, it's not that they weren't purged. They just have forgotten that they were purged. So it's possible that even a truly born-again person would not be growing spiritually. But it ought not stay that way. And God can give you victory, but here's how it's going to come. By faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And then you obey God and He helps you to gain some ground how it works. So Father, help us in this invitation tonight. Thank you for this passage. I I know we needed it, and I pray that you'd help us to respond the way we ought to. In Jesus' name, amen.